Hi, this is Sue Burke. Welcome to my podcast. New science innovations are a testament to human ingenuity. I'm a huge science fiction fan, but when future science concepts and ideas become the latest innovations to help our environment and ourselves, that is too good not to share. So this podcast is a celebration of human ingenuity. Armed with chocolate for me and salmon jerky for Louis, we looked at a plethora of new technology and innovations in science. I could have chosen a hundred new things. For now, Louis and I narrowed it down to a few science innovations with the potential to help the environment, mankind, and transform the future. Let's start with two innovations of science tech that convert the sweat on our skin into energy. Energy autonomy. Imagine not needing to wait around to charge your earbuds. Current wearable electronics, like my earbuds, um, have limited power density. Yes, I do like that they're rechargeable. But I don't know about you, but I forget to check mine and end up frustrated when I'm ready to go, and they certainly are not. I'd love to breeze past the potentially leaky, explosive, toxic, chemically polluting batteries in the store aisles. Fewer batteries in landfills sounds great to me, too. Of course, we need to recycle batteries. No one wants lead, mercury, cadmium, uh, zinc, or nickel in our water, but you get my point. Ideally, what would we want from an energy harvesting device? Consider the advantages of a device that relies on constant passive input from the human body. A device that's not dependent on irregular external environment, not to bash solar power, but something a little more reliable, being that I'm in the Midwest and we have a lot of cloudy days, and a device that's not reliant on movement or exercise. Ideally, uh, two types of techs are racing to find a viable solution to this issue. The first one uses passive fingertip sweat. Fingertip sweating sounds pretty random. How can that even be a new science innovation, you ask? I ask the same question. Researchers have a device that, they, uh, that is a thin, flexible strip. A padding of carbon foam electrodes, electrodes absorbs sweat and converts it into electrical energy. The electrodes are equipped with enzymes that trigger chemical reactions between the lactate and oxygen molecules in sweat to generate electricity. Believe it or not, palms and soles of feet are very sweaty. Fingertips can produce between 100 and 1,000 times more sweat than most other areas of the body. So as the wearer sweats or presses on the strip that they've got taped onto their fingertip, the fingertip, <laughs> the electrical energy gets stored in a small capacitor. And then you can use it as a mini battery and discharge the energy to small electronics as needed. This doesn't exactly uh, fit the parameter of wearing the device and charging at the same time, but it is pretty cool. Thermoelectric generators are also small wearable devices that directly convert low-grade heat to, to electricity. So unlike the storage biofuel cell that I just mentioned that collects energy to use later as a charger, a thermoelectric generator powers your small electronics while you're wearing it. I know this is a narrow distinction. You are technically wearing that first biofuel cell, but it doesn't charge a device while you wear it. It's sucking your sweat for later. Thermoelectric generators convert heat directly into electricity. Heat that you uh, are producing when you're sweating. 
The use of positive and negative ions from sweat are absorbed onto the surface of the electrode and take part in the electrochemical reaction. I've got a picture of one of these devices on my website, and it's not beautiful, but it does work. I am presenting thermoelectric generators as future tech, but technically the tech is not new. I know I said tech a lot in that last sentence. Anyway, this innovative technology is new as a wearable thermoelectric generator, but spacecraft are already wearing them. I've got a picture of a radioisotope thermoelectric generator from NASA that's being used on spacecraft such as Voyager 1 and 2 and Cassini. Instead of the heat from sweat, spacecraft utilize heat generated from radioactive decay of plutonium-238. The temperature difference between the heat generated and the cold of outer space produces electricity to power the spacecraft. Both Voyagers, for the record, are now over 11 billion miles from Earth. When I started my research with one of our kids' school logins, my initial search for 3D printing found 30,684 articles. 3D printers now make shoes, furniture, tools, and toys. Clearly, I need to narrow my search to new science innovations in 3D printing, not just 3D printing. Three D printing is an umbrella term for the creation of a three-dimensional object using various additive manufacturing approaches. I know that's definitely a little bit vague. The most common uh, material used is liquid plastic. Plastic is squirted out of an inkjet-like printing head, layered into a pattern that solidifies, creating a three D object. Plastic isn't the only um, medium used. 3D printing of orthopedic prosthetics enables companies to create medical implants from jaws to long bones to plates for skulls. This is called direct metal laser sintering. It's pretty darn cool. Think of how this would help burn victims to have new skin and not to mention drug testing or even replacing organs. The process for 3D printing of skin usually starts with a structure called a scaffold. The scaffold supports cells as they grow and develop. Actually, not just skin, but blood vessels, bladders, trachea, esophagus, muscle, and other types of tissue have been successfully engineered. Tissue engineering is the science of growing replacement organs and tissue in the lab to replace damaged or diseased tissue. Bio-ink is the material used to produce live tissue using this 3D printing technology. Solid organs such as liver, kidney, heart, and pancreas are especially challenging. They're considered the holy grail of tissue engineering. I believe that future science such as three-dimensional organ generation is within our grasp, thanks to science, brilliant scientists and science research. I did want to mention that in 2020, researchers printed a three-dimensional brain to allow tumor cells to infiltrate. They were able to better study the tumor cells' development and use different drugs on the cells. This was far easier than working on rat brains, and the rats appreciated too. Let's, let's switch gears and investigate another science innovation in physics. Fire and its impact and relationship to mankind goes back to prehistory. There are many books and articles dedicated to the topic. 
Fire is our best friend, but also our work worst enemy. Water fights fires, out of control fires, because water eliminates oxygen the fire needs. Sound waves can do the same thing. It has to do with what sound is. When we think about sound, we default to how loud it is and its pitch. I'm sure if any of your kids decided the trumpet was their passion in middle school, you know exactly what I mean. You can see my hand raising. Well, you can't see my hand raising, but it would be if you could see me. Anyway, sound waves are longitudinal waves that travel through a medium like air or water. Sound is a vibration. Sound needs to vibrate against something. For example, when an airplane flies at or above the speed of sound, the air molecules can't move out of the way of the airplane fast enough, so the pressure waves combine to create a large shock wave, which people on the ground hear as a sonic boom. The acoustic fire extinguisher works the same way. Sound is a vibration pushing against our eardrums. This new science innovation pushes oxygen away from the source of the flame and spreads it over a larger surface area and puts the fire out. This device was originally developed for household fires. Water is still our best defense for huge fires like forest fires, but researchers are thinking that the sonic extinguishers could create an acoustic boundary uh, for firefighters to prevent forest fires from spreading while they work on it with the water. Let's shrink it down. This emerging science innovation uh, is microscopic but geared globally. Living concrete. You're asking why does this sound interesting in any way? Concrete is boring. Environmentalists often focus on issues such as animal agriculture, fossil fuels of course, and plastic production. And they should. Fortunately, researchers are, look, researchers are looking at way to make our infrastructure more sustainable too. Concrete is the second most used material on earth after water. And manufacturing concrete uses a lot of energy. So what are scientists developing to uh, work on keeping the concrete stable? Because obviously, from the new, recent news, and if you walk down the street or have a concrete driveway, you see that concrete does crack over time. Uh, scientists want to heal the cracks, and they are using bacteria. Scientists are developing a bacterially induced precipitation of calcium carbonate as a self-healing strategy for concrete cracking. Cyanobacteria survive extreme environmental conditions, including high and low temperature, salinity, and humidity. There are many, many books on cyanobacteria. Think of that, living inside something alive. It sounds cool. And yes, the, the bricks are green. Cyanobacteria is green. So speaking of mashups like bacteria and concrete, how about brain cells and computer chips? Designing artificial neurons that respond to electrical signals from the nervous system, like real neurons do, has been a major goal in medicine for decades. Neurons are electrically excitable cells in the nervous system that process and transmit, transmit information. Neurons are the core components of the brain, spinal cord, and peripheral nerves. Sadly, unlike many other types of cells, neurons do not reproduce. This is because their DNA copying is blocked. 
I have um, an interesting blog post about DNA reproduction and some links if you want to read more on the research of that. So the importance of neurons cannot be distressed enough. Neurons are responsible for receiving the sensory input from the external world, for sending motor commands to our muscles, and for transforming and relaying the electrical signals at every step in between. Imagine curing conditions where neurons are not working properly, have had their processes severed, such as in spinal cord injury. Because the neurons don't come back, it would be fantastic for those people. Silicon is a perfect inert substrate for culturing nerve cells. It's a metalloid on, um, in an element, number 14 on the periodic table. So when nerve cells grow on a silicon chip, they deposit cell adhesion proteins to provide cell anchorage. Cardiac pacemakers and cochlear implants already work uh, with electrical impulses. Researchers aim to make synthetic neurons to repair biocircuits of the central nervous system. This methodology would work well in patients with heart failure, for example. Neurons in the base of the brain and heart failure don't respond properly to the nervous system feedback. They, in turn, do not send the right signals to the heart, which then does not pump as hard as it should. It's horrible. New science innovations are a testament to human ingenuity, from generating electricity from our sweat, to creating neurons on silicone chips, to saving lives with sound, to helping those with chronic illness have a better quality of life. The future is now, thanks to science. Which one of these innovations in science strikes you the most? Stop by my website and let me know. It would make me very happy. Thanks for stopping by and listening to my podcast. I've got a lot more for you to listen to, as you can see. And I'd love it if you'd stop and check out my website and my blog. Lots of cool pictures and links to articles. That's at www.susanburkcook.com.